another traveler. Pull a chair up and rest your feet. Would you care for some food or a drink? Perhaps some information or a legendary tale. Come, stay a while and listen. Thanks for joining us, travelers. You're listening to Tavern Legends. This is going to be episode six of our Table Talk series. I'm Jacob Yambor. And I'm Clayton Friedemann. Today we are going to be talking to you about a quest that Wizards of the Coast released as part of their Stay Home and Play series. Correct. This is their D&D Adventures League game uh, stemming from their Tyranny of Dragons campaign that they ran through Hobby uh stores all around the country right uh the name of the quest is going to be secrets of sokol keep yeah um so you can find this i don't think it's going to be free online anymore at this point but you should be able to find this on the dm's guild i think it's just a couple dollars so yeah it was pretty like, cheap last reasonable. i checked it was like 239 they marked it down and everything so yeah reasonable definitely mm-hmm. reasonable mm-hmm. for sure for sure um, so we're going to kind of just highlight some main points in this quest. We're going to give you a uh, spoiler-free introduction overview of the quest um, to start out. And then we're going to kind of lean into a walkthrough of the quest and, and everything that will contain spoilers. Kind of a DM-only section. Or if you're a player that has already played it, then you could definitely stay and listen. Right. Either of those are pretty good options, but um, we're, we're kind of just going to go over that and then talk a little bit about some stuff we liked about the quest and some stuff that we particularly didn't care for that we would change and just offer some feedback on that. Yeah, sounds like a plan. So we're going to be just starting off with our introduction to the quest itself. Uh, so let's do our overview for this. Uh, Sokol Keep. The adventure background has us positioned uh, near this place called uh, Flan, and near Flan is Thorn Island, where Sokol Keep resides. Uh, The main feature here with Sokol Keep is that it is a lighthouse that is intended to help Flan prosper with its maritime trade, and there's also a noteworthy noble family that kind of manages it as their main means of income. Right, and of course, you know, as a lighthouse, it's also used for protecting the docks, making sure there's no crime going on, making sure ships can get into dock and leave the docks during nighttime activities, too. Yeah, so Sokol Keep is pretty important to Flan, and the story is set so that um, normally the beacon is lit, but for some reason, the beacon has gone out recently, and nobody is entirely sure what is happening that noble family that's responsible for it doesn't even have any answers, and they seem to have just been abandoning the place, or at least pulling people away from it. They don't have as many people there as they did before. So tensions are rising in Flan. People are really concerned about the future and well-being of what they're even going to be able to do, seeing as how trade is being cut off. Um, And then to top that off, because the government doesn't really know what's going on, they're still restricting people being able to leave, too. So Flan mm-hmm. is basically on lockdown. 
Right. And um, <clears throat> it's important to note, you know, you're new heroes in the town. You just get here and you're kind of going to a tavern where you start to overhear some rumors about, about Sokol Keep. You know, maybe it's haunted. Maybe this new Black Fist team that's moved in is responsible for this. these new mercenaries coming in. Um, is it this royal family that's responsible? You'll get all those kind of questions and rumors at, at this end that you kind of start the, the game at. Yes. So there's some political intrigue and a little bit of a mystery involved. And definitely the rumors lead to the possibility of haunted or cursed and there's mentions of treasure as well Mm -hmm. so and as always plenty of adventure around the corner yeah so there's there's a lot of different types of adventure hooks uh and there's a lot of reasons for why somebody might be in town so it's a great way to start any quest i would say is just making sure you have multiple options for bringing players in Mm -hmm. um so i think that's a pretty good overview of the quest i think they did suggest a group of uh, two to two to four or two to seven players. I think it's ranging from levels one to from, four. Anything from two to seven, level mm-hmm. one through four. Mm-hmm. But I believe the sweet spot was a group of four at like level two or something. Yeah, like that. so it's pretty flexible. I think they kind of just threw this in as a way to uh, get people some money or leveling up that were involved in Adventure League that may have missed some introduction in the tyranny of dragons campaign so yeah um i guess with that being said we'll start diving into uh kind of the more spoiler area so yeah. this is your warning everyone uh listener beware if you don't want any spoilers for this quest coming up then now's the time to head out from our podcast we don't want you in the tavern <laughs> just kidding we always want you in the tavern but that being said we should definitely dive into some of these points right now okay so now that we've kind of provided an overview and we warned you about the spoilers, let's get into the meat of this quest. It opens up, as most quests do, in a tavern. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, we have the adventuring party coming into what is one of the more famous taverns in town. And they are presented with mostly people just going about their daily life as best as they can. Um, But they can tell there's a little bit of tension in the air. There's a few shady characters in the corner who don't really look like you want to trifle with them. But the players are free to go about the room, do a little bit of talking, get a feel for the town. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the bartender, a female with dark hair and a a heavier set male um, sitting at the bar. And they they seem to be the head of the bar as as your heroes head in. You know, they tell you to take a seat. And from there, you know, you're able to observe, kind of look around, get your bearings, see what's going on, meet some of the other adventurers in your party. This would be a great chance to kind of describe um, your future party members and, and everyone around So at this time. Yeah, get into those vivid descriptions and paint a portrait of what you look like and what these other two people look like. So the two characters that Clay just mentioned, Markoth, and Imazale. Mm-hmm. Um, Imazale's the girl, and Markoth is the guy there. Um, they'll, you know, help the adventurers as much as they can. They're not going to hinder them, and they'll even maybe start providing some of those juicy gossip tidbits mm-hmm. to get the story moving. Yep. Um, but 
the sum of the tavern part here at the Lavin Coblin is after they've had a chance to get a little bit of information, talk to a few people. A couple drinks and then maybe some food. Yeah, get settled in. That's when tension really starts to come to a boil. Uh, some of the commoners and fishermen in the town confront these black fist mercenaries that act, happen to be sitting in the tavern at the time. Right, the doors are suddenly thrust open with gusto. With gusto. Bang, the door is violently thrown open as a half dozen burly drunk dock workers barge in. They seem quite angry. So that's when you know shit's going to go down. So <laughs> at this point, you know, as the heroes, you have either a decision A, you can, you know, provoke these people, or B, you can essentially talk them down from starting yeah. a fight. Try and defuse the situation. So uh, right off the bat, I like that, you know, we're getting a social encounter and then maybe some combat, maybe not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But we transition from this whatever happens. You know, it, it doesn't affect the story too much, but it does definitely change how the town sees the characters. Right. You you obviously understand that there's some tension in town at this point as the heroes and you're these outsiders kind of hired to diffuse this tension, if you will. So, 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 depending on what happens here in the bar fight, or not, not, or talking them down, you're going to be, you know, essentially rewarded um, by the bartender, and they're gonna, they're gonna help you and give you some juicy details about uh, Sokol Keep and Thorn Island. Right. So once you get through these rumors, um, your next major concern is figuring out how to get to Sokol Keep. And the big thing there is you got to get permission to do that. So you'll have to spend some more time navigating the town, doing some social interactions, and trying to get permission from House Sokol, the ones that are responsible for maintaining the lighthouse. Um, and they'll have a bit of a, I don't know how to describe it, maybe a cold shoulder attitude. They don't really want you messing around with their territory, and they don't really want outsiders intruding if they can help it. But Mm -hmm. I think most groups will be able to get the information they really need to out of this part. It doesn't seem too hard. Yeah, it's just one of those, uh, you know, one of those things where the town leaders, you know, understand that they have a problem on their hand, and. The town is losing money, tourism, all that kind of stuff. Their economy is crumbling down because this lighthouse has suddenly went out. Um, so they know, they understand and, and know that peril. So, you know, they're looking to, they're looking to hire someone. So you just got to be that group of adventurers that want to figure out what's going on at Sokol Keep. Yeah, and this is where you start to get a better understanding of some of the dynamics uh, I would say in the power groups. So House Sokol and the Black Fist Guards are the main two factions that you'll encounter for this. Yeah, you can add a few more if you wanted to as a DM, but these yeah. two have to be there. I know it does mention the Harpers in the quest too. If someone has yeah. ties to the Harpers, you can yeah. have some more information in town through them. A faction assignment is provided for the Harpers. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but the big thing that you'll get from this part here is that you'll find out that the Black Fist are supposed to guard 
house Sokol and keeping the lighthouse lit. So there is a two groups that are responsible for keeping this place secure, and that's where a lot of this conflict is coming from in the town. Nobody really knows who's at fault, and so there's a lot of tension coming from that. Yep, and those two groups are the Black Fist mercenaries and kind of the deckhands around town. Uh, House Sokol. House Sokol? The, oh, yeah. The noble family. Yeah. There, there's the deckhands around town, too, which you could make a full-fledged faction if you really want to. They do have enough people to do it, but that would be more homebrewing and adding extra content to this. Um, but then once we get done with getting our permission, we jump into Thorn Island and Sokol Keep. And this is obviously the meat of the quest. So the stuff we were talking about before is a lot of social encounter and you know getting the story set. And now once we actually get to Thorn Island and Sokol Keep, this is where we're going to see a lot more conflict and stealthing and actually moving around through a dungeon of sorts right so you know you can you can take i believe a boat to uh sokol island or a ferry i think they suggest a ferry but you know once you get there you see it's not very well guarded there's i think six patrolmen on guard at times people seem to be scared it looks like it's been run down and just not well kept over the years. Um, so things seem to be in a pretty dilapidated state once you kind of get to uh, the Thorn Isles and uh, Sokol Keep itself. Um, so kind of from from my understanding, you know, you, you go in there um, and you find a, a shrine dedicated to Tyr, which looks like it's leading down. Yeah, at, at the bottom of this keep um in kind of ruins and ancient is this forgotten shrine of tear mm-hmm. and you find that there's actually more below the shrine as well so at mm-hmm. first people thought this shrine of tear was the actual like prize but mm-hmm. there's actually more to it um it which, was blocking the way to the prize in a lot of ways so. yeah so hooray is this spirit dedicated to tear that has been down here at the shrine and she actually helps Egan find the treasure down below. Um, she she doesn't really have a physical presence anymore so she you know she does the like turn the page to a in the book or like whispers yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. she's not powerful enough to physically manifest herself or speak. So she has to go about by like knocking things over or you know flipping your hair or breathing on your hair trying to get your attention that way yeah subtle moves um you'll have an opportunity to get uh a little bit more information from there's a few guards that are still at up top and they can give you a better understanding of who actually went in which is grim and egan mm-hmm. um, and how they haven't been seen for a while since so now that we know a little bit about you know what's up above we got a hint of what's coming um, Sokol Keep itself is, you know, this large stone fortress that's ancient, and there's a few features inside that you can take the time to explore. The, they have some quarters, and there's the lighthouse itself. Um, but the main thing is, once you get through all this stuff, you're going to be getting down to what they have called the Jade Temple. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a good name. It's pretty evocative. Yeah. 
So, you know, the main feature of this whole area is it's kind of just dank, moist, wet uh, dungeon that's made of jade, essentially. The floor and everything. So, everything is incredibly slippery and, and incredibly dangerous. You actually have to walk around or... Well, if you run around, you're actually going to be at a disadvantage because you have a chance of falling over and moving slower at that point. So yeah, so some the there's there's this generic feature for the entirety of the caverns down here, mm-hmm. um, and their slippery floors will cause you to potentially fall over. Right. Uh, what was I think you have to make a like a DC ten acrobatics check to keep your balance or dexterity check. There you go. Or you fall prone at the end of your movement every time you run. So walking around, it's not a problem. But as soon as you start dashing and running through the dungeon, then you got to start actually being careful or you're going to start falling over. <laughs> um, there's a few parts where that actually you know, makes a big difference because right off the bat, we have our, our entrance, which is just kind of a nondescript room. You can tell it's wet everywhere and it's got that musty smell. Mm-hmm. And then the next room you come into is this crypt where there's a few dead bodies and generally, you know, you get your understanding that this is not a good place to be in. But right. you got to push ahead. And then the next room is the vestibule of barnacles. And here's where you're starting to really understand, like, this place used to be submerged. This whole room's covered in these calcified barnacles and just exudes this mysterious, like, what's going on? Presence, yeah. Yeah. Then we get to the sinkhole. This is the part where I was mentioning if you're trying to run through, this could be a big problem. This big sinkhole fills up this whole room, and you have to get across this without getting sucked into the bottom. Uh, If you do get sucked into the bottom, there's a pair of ghouls just waiting down there to tear you apart. (laughs) So if you're running through and you got poor dexterity and you get sucked in, your character might die. You should watch out there. So there's, there's that danger here still. So be careful. Then after there's the sinkhole, you make your way through a little bit more. There's these prison cells that are basically abandoned, just some trinkets in there. And then there is the big feature. This is where the namesake is, the Jade Idol. This big natural cavern that's been uh, carved out of the rock, and in the center of it is this massive jade statue it's mm-hmm. i don't know how else to describe it but it they say it's got this pale green stone and it sits in a pool of black water and it's carved in the shape of a humanoid with tentacles all over it almost i don't know how like it, i'm thinking like a mind flayer look almost yeah um i believe there's an altar in the room too as well yes and that is, is emanating a dark energy Yep. That you won't find unless you have a high enough perception, which, um, or if you have the ghost with you, uh, hooray, she can actually suppress it too, I was reading. So that's kind of cool if you manage to keep her around or befriend her. So Yeah, uh, and the, the tricky part about that is throughout this quest, there will be little things that you can do to make her happy or appease her. Mm-hmm. But or make her mad, like disturbing the tombs and yeah. the bones. And they're 
of her fallen yeah, allies. There'll be there'll be little notes throughout the quest telling you like sh- you'll improve her mood or worsen her mood, but there's not anything that directly warns the adventuring group how they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's a secret scale that's working in the background the whole time. Yeah, so that can make things definitely interesting. Yeah, and then of course the other feature in the room is uh, Egan and uh, with a dagger in his back yeah. laying on top of the tomb. On the, the altar there. Yeah, the yeah. altar. It bathed in the sickly green light of the jade mm-hmm. reflecting through the room. You just see Egan dead there on the altar. A couple of ghouls, some skeletons. Yeah. And then, I remember. Um, there's a few undead creatures that have seemed to have sprung to life uh, as a means of like defending the temple and the shrine here. Mm-hmm. But uh, after this potentially deadly fight breaks out with the undead here, you are finally rewarded with uh, the understanding of where these other people are. The Black Fist guys that are still alive will come out from the last room in the back corner, and now you have another opportunity to like, negotiate with them. And this, this is where I would say one of my favorite parts of the quest actually comes in. You actually decide what the result of the quest is at this mm-hmm. part because right. the players are given the opportunity to you could kill these guys or bring them in for trial because you find out that Grimm actually stabs Egan because he wants the treasure for himself. So Mm -hmm. he's consumed by greed and kills Egan. And so now after hopefully the characters find this out, I I don't remember exactly if you you tease it out of them with diplomacy or how it works, but basically your players are going to find out and they're going to be confronted with the moral dilemma. Do we kill them? Do we release them? And that really affects what the ghost does. Right. I'm pretty sure, yeah, you're, by going back to your point of how you get it out of them, I'm pretty sure they try to lie to you, but they do a terrible job of it. It, was, been, it was just like a DC-10 inside check. So pretty they've much. been down here for two days with no food mm-hmm. in the dark. and Yeah, so so you essentially just press them, and that's how it is. But... And then, so that's how the quest ends. You have a the chance of walking away kind of evil if you want, kind of neutral, or you know, lawful, lawful kind of good. Report back to the town what you learned and everything. Yeah, um, and each choice you make will generally decide the fate of the town because if you choose to let these guys go, you want to take like a good chaotic good route maybe where you know yeah i don't think what they did was too bad they're just trying to do or whatever i don't know but you let them go and that spirit does not break the curse so the lighthouse does not function even though Mm -hmm. you've completed the quest they might actually fail yeah yep and you know if you make if you make Hera happy by you know killing the guards or bringing them in for justice then she lights up the uh lighthouse and you know, the Beacon town begins to prosper once again. Yeah, yeah. So, that is our overview of Sokol Keep. as a little long, long-winded, but it's a pretty interesting quest overall. There are, there are quite a few things that we did like, and there's a few things that we don't like. So, Clay, you want to start us off talking about that? Yeah, so kind of the first thing that I noticed about this quest is how uh, it's almost correlated to the current times we're living in right now with the COVID-19 pandemic going on. So there's this town, Flan, right? Intentions are high. 
people are getting frustrated because the town is on lockdown and they want to get back to work. People want to leave the town. They want to get out and start their lives again. And I thought that was really interesting and correlates directly to kind of what's happening right now in, in the world where we're seeing some people get upset about um, the stay-at-home orders going around and how things are getting a little tense. Like, there's rumors going around that this is a fake disease. It's a common cold, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sure you've heard it all if you've been on the internet. Right. There's there's rumors. There's misinformation. Nobody really knows what is the truth right now. Mm-hmm. And it's that just adds to the confusion and the chaos. Yeah, so I thought that kind of just correlated directly to... Just the way things are kind of happening and going in the world they are right now. I mean, did you have any interesting points on that? No, I think you covered it pretty well. All right, so um, I guess another another good point here um, that we really liked throughout the quest um, was the ghost hooray uh, that follows you around and uh, kind of is almost like a companion NPC. Yeah, we touched on this a little bit already, but we'll go on to this again, so... Just really like this idea of having an NPC that helps push the story along, but in a more indirect, subtle kind of way. You don't need somebody in their face literally saying, go to this room right now. Now go here. Like It's, it's somebody that's actually actively manipulating the group into doing something. Right. Right. So, I mean, we're not going to touch too much on that one because we talked about Hooray a lot, but... What's something you uh, didn't particularly care for in this quest? I would say, and it's just one of the constraints of being an adventure league quest and something they're trying to do quick, I don't really care for how it plods along in a very linear manner, mm-hmm. uh, railroading as some people would call it. You're mm-hmm. basically expected to go to room one, room two, room three, and just down the line. There's right. not really any control over where you go. Yeah. It seems like... Yeah, like you said, from going from point A to point B and and completing your task that way. So, yeah, I completely hear that and understand that. But, you know, like always in D&D as the DM, you can, you know, take that source material and kind of branch out with it. But um, I would say something that I didn't particularly care for is um, just the lack of... um, kind of urgency in this town to get this like lit it didn't seem like anyone really yeah i think really i mean it's a smaller town and everything and i understand that but it doesn't seem like there's anyone there to really help them so yeah i I think part of that issue is because there's the house sokol Mm -hmm. and the black guard right that are supposed to be taking care of it and but they're just scared. Right. And then you're kind of given this image that these guys are supposed to be fairly strong, but they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. It, it does kind of create a little bit of, uh, I don't know, unbalanced confusion at the start on the player side. Because mm-hmm. you know, why aren't people doing anything about this? Right. They're trying to. They're just not successful. Yeah. So, I mean, those are a couple things that we didn't like. I mean, overall, this is a really f- enjoyable quest and don't... You know, don't take these dislikes as anything personal or anything like that. I mean... Yeah, it's just something to be aware of mm-hmm. when you go into the quest. Right. Uh, another thing that I really enjoyed or that we enjoyed about this quest with the, uh, the the animated armors with the barnacles on them. Oh, we skipped over that a little bit. We, oh. Yeah, I think we yeah, mentioned it a little bit. in the barnacle bit. room. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was a key feature we we're supposed to mention there. There is two suits of animated armor mm-hmm. that are just covered in barnacles. Right. And so when the party walks up, it just looks like old rusted armor standing there. These things spring to life and start attacking them. And there's a couple of settings that they have. Um, uh, options, yeah. Yeah, but basically just the thematic appeal of like suits of armor mm-hmm. clad in barnacles because they've been submerged underwater it helps make the dungeon feel a little mm-hmm. more alive yeah and yeah it definitely gives it that touch of like how old these armor how old this armor is and how long it's been down here and it's just a cool aesthetic to throw in there and and hit and those are the kind of the details that you want to focus on as a dm that's going to draw your players in and, and make them remember stuff so something to keep in mind when you're writing quests and everything um, and then the last thing I think we both uh, really loved about this quest, and we kind of mentioned it already, um, was that ending. Yeah, the ending. The fact that it has multiple choices and the player's decision significantly impacts the results. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. When quests do that, instead of just being a grind and you get a thousand gold at the end no matter what, like I want to actually see your choices make an impact. Mm-hmm. On the, on the world to come and everything like that. Yeah. Um, that makes a lot more opportunity for a long-term campaign or reoccurring characters or even just revisiting the town with different characters. Or, you know, using this as a homebrew option, which kind of ties into our next episode of Tavern Legends Table Talk. I believe that's what we're going to do it as. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll, we'll keep it on our Table Talk for now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going we're gonna to kind of take this quest, we're going to kind of turn it into our own and apply it to our own homebrew world just to kind of show you how you can take a quest next and just adapt it to your world. Um, just to show you some kind of easy ways to do that. So that way if you, you know, are having a little bit of a writer's block or struggling to incorporate something into your game, um, you can just grab a quest like this, a dungeon, and just... Um, essentially bring it over into your game and, and make it your own. Yeah, just how you pick and pull part pieces to, if you don't have anything prepared, maybe you just need something within 15 minutes or whatever, you mm-hmm. can just quickly grab a couple things and maybe you need to change a location, maybe you need to change an NPC or something. So we'll talk about how to do that and help guide through using Sokol Keep as an example. Yeah, and so that's kind of our plans going forward. So... Um, Like always, we want to thank you guys for listening. That's going to be our episode uh, for tonight. Um, We appreciate you guys stopping into the tavern and and giving us a listen today. Yeah, you can check us out on Facebook, Tavern Legends. We got Twitter, at Tavern Legends D&D. So give us a follow, give us a like, you know, respond to us. We're here for you guys and uh, appreciate you joining us. Thanks, travelers. Uh, Wish you good weather and legendary tales. Thanks guys, stay safe.